Good morning to all of you. And also those at the hub, wave a bit, huh? At least you look out. Before I begin, I just like to express also um, my gratitude and thanks uh, to folks like you because uh, recently I met a lady in the lift. She said, wow, Pastor, so long never see you. <laughs> I scratched my head. I thought I, I was around uh, during the office hour. But I forgot, <clears throat> Sunday I am here and next Sunday will be there. So very unique this year, my appointment got two churches to go. Just like I told the other church, you see me and you don't see me. But deep in my heart, I said it before to you folks that I'm 100% here and 100% there. So people are still scratching their head. Cannot be, Pastor. Only 50-50. How come 100-100? So when I'm here, I mean it's full 100%. If I'm there, I'll be full 100%. Well, the point is, I feel that this is really a shared ministry as a Methodist church, as a Methodist family, uh, that we can share our ministry with another Methodist church. And so this is how I take on this goodwill for this year appointment. And come to think of it, and you have good thing you like to share, right? I think I'm a good thing, so share. Well, just like you got a cone of ice cream, good, right? You want to share. A bottle of chocolate, good, right? You want to share. So, take me that way. And I'm so glad. Even late, early on, another lady came back to me. Don't worry, Pastor. You're always in our heart. Wow, that very touching. <laughs> now, I'm not posting, just, just express my appreciation that in case you don't see me here, I'm there. I'm not on holiday. The holiday we announce to you. Uh. So this is my current situation and it will go for a year and see how it works during this time. Alright, let's back to our meditation this morning. And my joy to share this time with you. Uh, let us pray. Father, we want to place our hearts before you in this time of worship. And we know this is a very sacred moment that we can place ourselves at your feet and to listen the voice of the Spirit to lead and to guide us. For without you, we can do nothing. And so it is our prayer and also for the entire church and these loved ones who are here and also at the hub will continue to be receptive to your word and able to even put your word into our life altogether so that we will go deeper in the faith, walk closer to you, and that we will not sin against you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Right, the passage I have chosen to share with you this morning is taken from a very familiar text again on Hebrews chapter 12. Just the three verses, looking at the way... <coughs> The writer talk about Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith. What's, can you see? Can I? So can I invite you to read along with me and let the word come to us? Let's begin. Therefore, see me surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clean 
mercy and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and be seated at the right hand of the good God. Consider him who endured all sinners, the hostility against himself, so that he may not grow weary or faint hearted. This is the word of the Lord. And we pray already, you'll see how the word will really come alive to us this morning. So, as you know, uh, we are into the season of Lent. Uh, you count, that means almost like two more weeks before Easter. Started from Ash Wednesday, and then from there, 40 days. Uh, this period of time, it to really set our mind, the cross, the way to the cross. There's a very nice... Uh, cover right out about the land season. Thank you. The land season about the, even the purple color and so we ask that you take time to read and familiar with the church calendar of this celebration. Oh, excuse me, I just caught some sinus here. So as you look at that and you will notice how the meditation that we want to focus for this period of time. Uh, just like at the end of the year, we will have Christmas to remind us the coming of God for us. So here you see the kind of finishing work of Jesus on the cross. And you have a chance to read the four Gospels. You see how his journey was not easy. Born as a human, in a very simple home background. Grown up at a carpenter, uh, mingle more with the common folks, fishermen, tax collectors, sinners, outcasts, and so on. Always rejected by the authority of religious people, consider him like a summing block, uh, not worth to follow, and so on and so forth. And ultimately, they were the one responsible for put him on the cross to fulfill God's plan that he died for the sins of the world. So this morning, we ask ourselves, what can we learn from this season of Lent? And I pray really that the scripture will have a special impact for us. I have two uh, lessons, so to speak, in mind to share with you, a very simple background. One is to look at the temptation of Jesus the next one is to look at the betrayer of Judas Iscariot and also the denier of Peter himself. Let's bring you back to our first point of temptation of Jesus. The familiar text in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, that it was out of the 40 days and 40 days of prayer and fasting, the devil came to tempt Jesus. Now, this is really the moment of need moment of tiredness, moment of recuperation and so on. But bear in mind, the devil knows how to catch him, so to speak. First, temptation comes along, turn the stone into bread. Because you're hungry, you need something to feed you. Then the Lord God quoted from Deuteronomy, Man shall not live by bread alone, in good and women, or children, but by every word that come out from the mouth of God. 
In other words, we don't really need physical feelings so often or so excessively, but we need the spiritual food. So folks, watch out. The devil will come. And if you are hungry, you will fall into that kind of trap. Be prepared to say you have the food of God ready to defend yourself, feeding on his word. A second temptation will come, or here will say, they'll go to a high place and say, jump down. The angels will come by and save you. And the Lord's reply to the devil was, don't tempt the Lord your God. You have no right to tempt the Lord, so to speak. And God should not be tempted in the sense. Don't put God to the test. That was really the answer Jesus had in mind. In other words, you have the protection of God already. Then third temptation comes, bring him to the world, on top of the world already, like the carpenter say, on top of the world. What happened? All you need to do, the devil say, bow to me and all yours. There's the kingdoms of the world here. And the phrase used is kingdoms, the poorer of the world. But the Lord God's answer was, you only bow down to the God who has the whole kingdom per se. Not your kingdoms. So that's the answer to the devil. So folks, don't bow to any power, so to speak. Although we do, at times perhaps. Stand for your right as a child, a person of God. You have God. You have the kingdom of God for you. And that is the everlasting kingdom that no man will take it away for you. That is the kingdom that you and I will bow. Not the kingdoms that the devil offer. And so we thank God that Jesus set the pace of helping us to overcome that kind of temptation coming to us. And you and I know as God's people, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't avoid facing temptation. Can we? And therefore, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he always keeps his body in discipline, under control, well trimmed, and so to speak, make sure he preaches what he practices. Never subject himself to any dis- uh, temptation that would disqualify him. Just imagine you are a driving instructor. You make sure that you have a clean record. It's not how you're going to teach your students. And Paul is reminding himself that we need to get that right before God as he teaches the people about God himself. But as you and I will know in the very practical world that we are living, we can't run away facing, as I say, confronting with temptations one after the other. Just a month ago, you can see in the shop, photograph was taking a crowd of people lining up. You know why? Total, 12 billion. Anyone join the queue? Very tempting, right? Then you have to retirement all the rest of your life. But here, beside that, you have people being caught and found guilty of committing crime simply because they are greedy, overbite, overcheating, even over smuggling things. These are temptations open to us. And more to come, as you can see. And I want to share with you this testimony 
that I gather from this book I pick up by David Raven Hill, who had written the book called Surviving the Anointing. David himself has been a missionary, a pastor, a teacher for more than 42 years. And as he said, as a married man in early days, he packed his thing, left New York City with a family, a wife and a child, ended up in New Zealand to do a church work with a mission agency. But on that particular time period, he attended a mission conference, or conference per se, and he was impacted by this speaker, speaker who spoke on the subject, Fear of the Lord. And he was so moved and touched that after the service, he asked someone or the team to lay hand and pray for him that God will continue to place that fear of God in his life. Fear in the sense that to love God and to honor God. And that was a good prayer, folks. And we should be prayerful. And so he said he wanted to pray because he realized as he gone through life, we always can succumb to temptation. And what he had traced back as he wrote in the book about his past life, that when he was a student, leaving England and ended up in America with his family. He was just 15 years old in those early days. And he was saying that those days in the school or in the norm or hostel or hub, drinking, smoking, plus hundreds and other things were so commonly abused or used. But I knew one thing, he said, if I get involved in all these things, my father, his own Earthly father, he found out that I was smoking and drinking or sleeping around, it will be literally breaking the heart of the father and also destroy the daddy's life. Because his daddy, a very devout Christian, godly man. Later I will show you a bit of the daddy's life here. So even though he said I was tempted in many things, as a young teenager, I said regard for my father that I make sure I held him high in honor and esteem that I do not want to hurt him, my father. So he managed to keep himself safe throughout those years of high school simply because the love of the father was in his heart. And so here he put it to us in the book, continue to have the fear of God, who is our heavenly father and make sure we have God high in, the, in regard that we are not subject or succumb to any temptations that will cause the grief of the Father's heart. And that was the testimony of this David Ravenhill. Uh, he wrote the book, Surviving the Anointing. But I was curious to read why he thought about his own daddy by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. I look up the Google and I realized wow, he was really a great man. Originally from England and landed in America. He was an evangelist, an author who focused the subject on prayer and revival. In fact, you'll see the next slide that at the tombstone of this senior Ravenhill, these are the words that are written. 
are the things that you are living for worth Christ dying for? Are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? And let me share with you some other quotations that he had written. The secret of praying is praying in secret. God doesn't answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. And the last is, how can you pull down strongholds of Satan if you don't even have the strength to turn off your TV? Can I put it at this context? You can't even turn off your iPhone. Or look at the iPhone. True, right? But here, it don't say only TV. La. No iPhone yet. But so-called was good enough to draw us away. Here was the father, the David, the junior, had in mind to honor and to keep his life intact, not to hurt or destroy. The daddy who has great faith in God. And so we are, folks, uh, in this world that we are facing, that we need to watch out our temptations that come. As I say in the early service, temptations to me like minefields lay on the ground in front of us, close to us. If you are not careful, you may lose your hands or lose your legs. And who knows, you may lose all, even your life, because of temptations. But we want to thank God that we have a priest, a high priest, who gone through temptations and yet, did not sin against God. And so this is what we need to really cherish and to know and keep close to God Himself. Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16. Tempted in many ways, but yet sin not. So here our first lesson, folks, looking at temptation before us, looking at the life that Jesus has overcome. Look at the life of David Ravenhill, overcome. Because as long as you're able to discipline yourself, like Paul said, we can stand high and tall, or tall and high, whatever we say. Second lesson here, the betrayal by Julius Iscariot. Interestingly, I seldom touch on this man, because we thought he was history now, you know. But for you know, during earlier of discipleship, he was one of the disciples chosen by Jesus. But it was already mentioned that he one day will betray Jesus. And then in Matthew 26, 14 to 15, in fact, he went up to the priests, uh, Pharisees and all that, even asked what would the reward be given to me if I betray Jesus. And the offer was 30 pieces of silver. And in fact, he didn't use it. He threw it back and committed suicide later on. That was how Judas Iscariot ended his life. But even, you know, at the last, before he kind of betrayed Jesus, he did a very subtle act by kissing Jesus. Recorded here in Matthew 26, verses 47 to 50, especially verse 49. <coughs> he said he came to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, like, you know, the teacher, and he kissed him, just to indicate to the group 
That was the one. You will make a mistake. That you come to arrest. He was the one. But that case was a very subtle one. And not a loving one, but a deadly one. And so folks, watch out. Friend, we come to you in a very subtle way. We alterate motive to fulfill the dream. But here you realize the betrayer kind of sense is very deep and can be very hurting. Similarly, Peter, after Judah Iscariot is Peter, when Jesus was arrested, Peter tried to find cup. Because before that, he tried to declare openly, Lord, if anyone forsaken you, I will be the one. Stay on to follow you to the end. But when Peter was alone, meeting up in the open, met a young lady, spotted him and said, Don't you the man follow Jesus? He said, No, no, no. And he said it three times, right? Before the rooster cows. And that was the way that Peter reacted. Folks, I ask you, if you were Jesus, how are you going to treat these two disciples? Do that is good. And Peter. And one thing I learned that Judas Iscariot committed suicide. Peter, after knowing that Jesus looked at him and glazed at him, reminded him of the bravery act he tried to act but could not, cry bitterly. Judas committed suicide. That's the end of his story. Peter wept bitterly, but he did not come back to Jesus. For asking for forgiveness. And someone pointed out at the red. And you know who forgives? Jesus. And you look at the scripture, didn't never kick a fastest to speak about these two guys betraying him. Jesus forgive them. Together with those group of people who were looking at the cross when Jesus died, laughing at Jesus, you're son of God. Come down. You can save others. Why can't you save yourself? They mock and laugh at him. But the son of man, the son of man, who will hang on the cross, suffering, about to die, and last word he will say, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do." That's the way that God comes to us, folks. We do do not know what we are doing. Even though we know what we're doing. Correct, folks? Not say we don't know, right? But as far as God's heart is concerned, He is willing to forgive us. Are you the person that you're standing before God with that, that you need forgiveness? I'll invite you to pray and even to come. They can pray for you after the service. So putting putting in a human feeling, folks. As I say, if you were Jesus, were you able to accept the blow from the two disciples? He did. But for us, maybe hard. And I realize that nobody likes to be betrayed. I don't think I like that someone betrayed me. Especially among the pastors. Cannot right? Cannot sabu your colleagues, or your colleagues. But 
you realize betrayal is so common. Play around. It can be found in any community, any society, any political world, business, entertainment world, among the family members, perhaps really a college, workplace, hopefully really, hopefully not in the church. Hopefully not in the church. And I like someone who wrote this article, titled Betrayal. And this is how he writes. The betrayal is an abandonment or violation of trust by someone close to you. Someone that close to you. As somebody here saw, a wife could be betrayed by the husband or a husband betrayed by his wife. An employee passed over for a promotion by an employer, employer who promised actually to give it to him or her. Then there was a secret between friends brought to the light for all to see. You're not supposed to do that, right? They did it. Then the last promise made to a child easily broken by a family or a parent. And you see how heartbreaking it is for a child. In fact, just to share with you, I came across a family. It's really a family issue. And I really pray that God will intervene and resolve the problem for them. Now, these elderly couples uh, are staying with the daughter. And the mommy is very sick medically, uh, really need the kind of care and warmth from the daughter's family. But they would like them to move out and be on their own. And that news came to me and shared with me. I could feel the sense of betrayal here because the elderly folks say, remember when she was a child, we took care of her. And when her children were young, we took care of the children. And today, they want us to move out. Simply because we are now become the liability than the asset. And they want their own family privacy. I pray God will intervene with this family and able to grant them the peace of mind that God's people we continue to love and cherish one another, no matter how things are before us. So folks, betrayer, denier, are painful things that come to us. So the question I ask, how do we deal with that inevitable betrayer that will affect us in everyday lives? It is here, folks. Maybe some of us are going to too. But we thank God for the scripture encouraging us that we are God who cares, who gives, who embraces us together. So keep focusing on the scripture here will say that Jesus is the founder and the finisher of the faith or perfecter of our faith. That you must not keep your eyes away from him. Just like an ordinary driver like you and me or many of us, that when you're on the road, 
holding the wheel, make sure you are focusing when doing. Don't turn to your iPhone so much. Or talk to the passenger so much. Once you get distracted, we may never know what happened to us. You know there is always this incident happened, right? When you are driving on this side of the road, if there is an accident opposite the, the side, you know what happened? The car this side will be slowing down. Because all the people will look at the side. Because we know what want to know what happened. And soon maybe in front of you the car suddenly stopped, jam. Accident happened in front of you. So both sides also crowded, a jam with cars. Simply because we are not focusing. We lose the sense of direction. And here the reminder here folks, we must not lose the sense of direction from what God is watching, guiding us. So I pray that this Lent season is a season for us to keep focusing on Jesus, have a sense of soul searching in us, never let temptations like food <laughs> turn stone into bread, or putting God to a test, or to worship something else beside the D-God. You need to know that this is a moment to spend time in prayer and even repentance before the Lord. In conclusion, I have three questions in mind. Maybe as you look at the question, you have an answer to it yourself. How am I encouraged and strengthened? You know how? Write it down. Don't know? Also write it down. The Lord will give you the answer. How can I be changed so that I can learn and grow? You don't only learn, but you need to grow, folks. Put it down. Is there sin in my life for which confession and repentance is needed? So searching. It is good for us. Is there sin in my life for which confession, repentance is needed? Let us pray. Yes, our Father, we want to thank you for this moment of meditation. Enable us to sit quietly before you and to look at what, what the scripture has revealed for us so that we know as we draw close to you, you are always close to us. And so this moment of soul searching, we just pray that we be honest before you and ask that you mend our lives according to your grace and which we believe is always sufficient for us. So guide this dear one lost as we continue to walk the path of righteousness for you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.